Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Aristotle Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Aristotle Pacific Capital, the sub-advisor for the Aristotle Funds Fixed Income Funds. Hello, and thank you for tuning into number 56. In the next 10 minutes, we will discuss recent market action, the current banking crisis, a softening economy, the Fed, opportunities in fixed income, and finish with a personal reflection. Let's begin. Let's kick it off with recent market action. March was an odd month in that we had the second and third largest failures in our banking history, yet equities and fixed income were up. While March was a good month for the markets, I thought the real surprise was the general performance during the first quarter. Going into the quarter, if you were to tell me the Fed would raise rates twice, inflation, while declining, would still be elevated, M2 continues to contract, the yield curve became more inverted, and we would have the second and third largest bank failures in our country's history. I would have expected markets to weaken. Yet, the S&P 500 index was up 7.5% in the first quarter. The tech-heavy Russell 1000 growth index up over 14% and up almost 7% for March. The shift came in the Russell 2000 value index, which consists of more traditional businesses. That was down 7% in March. For the quarter, it was down a little less than 1%. International equities were strong with the MSCI EFI up 8.5% for the quarter. When we flip over to fixed income, rates certainly dropped in Q1 with the 10-year treasury starting the year in the high threes, close to four, and in the, ending the quarter at three and a half. And since the end of the first quarter, yields have dropped even more. As a result, the Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index was up two and a half percent in March, up about three percent for the year. The U.S. Corporate High Yield Bond Index underperformed in March, up about one percent, but it's up three and a half for the year. And on the floating rate side, The Credit Suisse Leverage Loan Index was basically flat in March, but up about 3% for the year. So overall, equities were up 7 to 8%. Fixed income across investment grade, high yield, and bank loans were up about 3% in Q1. That's a pretty strong quarter given everything that happened. Which begs the question, why is that? I think a couple things are in play here. This risk-on, risk-off sentiment that seems to be occurring month by month, I think is really trying to digest or discount the Fed's positioning. The Fed continues to anchor that they're going to keep interest rates around 5% in the near term. Meanwhile, a few months ago, the market was expecting a rate cut in 2023 and rallied, then pivoted as investors started to buy into the Fed's language that essentially rates would be here, and then the market started selling off. Now we're back to a point where markets are expecting the Fed to ease quicker, Meanwhile, the Fed's rhetoric continues to be, we're going to keep rates here. So I would say there is certainly a disconnect in what the market's expecting and what the Fed is saying. Let's touch on the banking news over the past month, not necessarily from an individual name standpoint, but just structurally what we're seeing. From their perspective, you have deposits that are decreasing due to lack of confidence. You have a situation where the Fed continues to contract M2, the economy's slowing, and delinquencies are starting to increase. So from their perspective, I think the obvious base decision would be to tighten lending. So that's today. As relates to what happened in March, essentially you had risk management issues. They extended the balance sheet, which was a book value balance sheet, not a mark-to-market, 
And then due to volatility and the significant decline in bond values last year, you had an asset base that if you did mark to market, some of the banks would have been insolvent. This created that lack of confidence and you had a classic run on the bank. Given that, it seems as though the regulators have come in, backed the depositors, have haircut some debt holders, wiped out the equity folks, and we've been getting through it. So at this point, in my opinion, the risk isn't a banking risk. It's an economic risk, as this will most likely result in much tighter liquidity for businesses and consumers. So whether it's a community bank, a regional bank, a super regional, or a massive money center bank, I don't know if any of those banks would want to loosen lending standards given everything they're seeing. That's extra pressure on the economy because so much of our economy is driven by lending and leverage. My take is it's going to slow down the economy quicker and harder than people think. As this relates to Fed policy, the Fed had been raising rates, decreasing the balance sheet, and letting the natural course of the cost of capital play out. This banking issue to me is a new dynamic where you have lending institutions pulling back. With this added tightener, is the Fed going to be able to incorporate that into their train of thought as quickly as we would like without a hard landing? I don't know, but I would say unlikely. With the increase bank pressure on lending, what's the economy look like going in? And I would say if, if we take a step back, what made the economy so difficult to underwrite over the past few months is that despite the Fed tightening, you had a pretty resilient job market. Well, that started to crack. And now we're seeing confirming data over the past week or two to suggest the economy is slowing quicker than markets thought. As it relates to jobs, recent revision in unemployment claims was higher by almost 50,000 to 246,000. And now the four-week average for unemployment claims is moving higher. The Atlanta Fed's GDP now is adjusting first quarter GDP from a little over 3% to now a little over 1%. When you look through to PMI, which is the Purchasing Managers Index, that was above 50 since June of 2020. Anything above 50 is considered expansionary. And at one point it hit 60, which is a really a ripping number. Well, that dipped below 50 in November of last year, which is considered contractionary in nature. March's print came in at 46, the lowest since March of 20. So additionally, inflationary pressures are slowing. And prices being paid are the weakest since mid-2020 the pace of hiring is moderating. So, so much of the data that's been coming in is starting to show that break in the jobs data, manufacturing data, and contractionary data. So where does that leave the Fed? Well, we've had a slight pivot, as mentioned earlier, at least from a market expectation standpoint. As of today, Fed futures are showing really a 50-50 chance of a rate hike in May, meaning the market will wait to see what the data says over the next month. And right now for July, there's a 40% chance of a cut. However, a cut is baked in for September, November, and December. So as of today, again, three rate cuts are where current Fed futures sit. This is substantially different than two months ago and a lot more dovish than a month ago. These adjustments are essentially reflecting the recent economic data. But to reiterate a point, the issue right now is the Fed continues to stay committed, at least in their rhetoric, to keeping rates here. This is, this is what needs to be played out. I think the core of why the Fed is anchoring to keeping rates here is that they're 
core inflation view of 2% was a pre-COVID view. And I think that doesn't incorporate all of the money that was printed during COVID. So how does all this affect fixed income markets? Well, due to the increasing odds of a hard landing or recession, yields generally went down in March. The ag was close to 4.5% in a yield of maturity, and now it's about 4%. The 10-year treasury is inside of 3.5% when we started the year close to 4 Investment-grade credit is still yielding over 5 Prices around 92 I still believe investment-grade is attractive. If you choose to move in, however, be prepared to take on rate volatility. High yield is yielding 8.5% from a yield standpoint. Prices around 88 You have floating rate loans, which are yielding over 9%. And prices dropped a little bit, so they're down to a little under 93 From a positioning standpoint, barbelling duration is interesting to me. You can barbell with quality duration on the longer end, but to give yourself a bit of a hedge from rate volatility, you barbell with floating rate. As always, I will finish with a personal reflection. You probably noticed from the intro that this is now an Aristotle Funds podcast and no longer a Pacific Funds podcast. The name change reflects the recent acquisition of Pacific Funds by Aristotle Capital Management. This change has been a positive development, and we're very excited about the new future. But it's also a reminder that there are a lot of things in the world that are in flux now. I recently ran across an interesting quote that addresses this. The only way to make sense out of change is to plunge into it, move with it, and join the dance. In other words, embracing change is key. Thank you for your time, and stay tuned. The views in this commentary are as of the date recorded and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice, as market and other conditions warranted. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed.